morning. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to take it up and turn with me to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 3. It is in what we refer to as the Old Testament. If you are unfamiliar with your way around the Bible, the front part of the Bible is the Old Testament, the back part is the New Testament. Um, If you don't have a Bible, you can use the Bible that's in front of you in the pew, uh, and you can find this reading on page 512. 512 of that Bible, or you can download your Grove Church app. You can click on the Bible tab and you can find Proverbs chapter 3. We are in a series, this is the second week of our series, that we call Wislet 101, Wisdom Literature 101. We have uh, decided to take the fall and go to school and do the, into the classroom of wisdom, the wisdom that we believe comes only from heaven, the wisdom that comes only from God. Uh, The theme is this. In the reoccurring theme of this series and of this course, if you like, to carry the metaphor through, is is simply this, that God made you, that God loves you, that God wants to guide you so that you can be wise. God made you, God made all things, and that includes you, that God loves you, which means that God is for you. That he, since he made you, he knows what is best for you. He is for you, ultimately in the gift of his son Jesus, for you. And he has given us his word in order that you may live a life of wisdom. In order that you may understand life and life to the full. And so we study the book of Proverbs in order that we might be able to gain the wisdom of heaven. And so we go through the book of Proverbs, and if you've ever read through the book of Proverbs, you know there is no sort of uh, ongoing theme that goes through, but rather it's sort of choppy. And so each week we're taking a different subject, and this morning we happen to be looking at the subject of money, of money. Now I know some of you are here, and you're visiting with us, and you say, oh great, this is uh, figures. I would come visit a church, and they would talk about money, because that's all these money-grubbing pastors want to do. That's all these churches want to do, is suck the money out of you. Uh, And and of course, we do the sermon right after the offering, right? Well, today we're going to talk about money, and we're, we're we're not talking about money because we have some sort of special offering that we're trying to do. We're not talking about money because I'm going to ask you for some new campaign. We're going to talk about money because money is something that we talk about every single moment of all of the days of all of our lives. It's a part of every single day. It's something that we've already interacted with this morning or thought about. It's something that's a part of the daily routine of our lives, and so we need to think this out. We want to talk about money because most Americans are not happy with their financial situation. In a CNBC article on August 24, 2017, it reported that 78% of full-time workers say that they live paycheck to paycheck. According to NerdWallet, the average credit card debt in the U.S. household, the average credit card debt for a U.S. household is over $16,000 in 2016. And most Americans, and we're like most Americans, are not happy with their financial situation. And And it's something that we interact with every single day. And if you've ever read the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is chalked full of verses 
about money. You can't even read through Proverbs without bumping up against God's ideas about money. There are 43 verses in the book of Proverbs explicitly about money, and depending on the scholar you read, some suggest over 100 verses that make reference to our financial situation, to wealth, and to poverty. God has much to say about how we spend our money and how we utilize the resources that we have. Some of you are here, and I understand the cynical nature of saying, well, here I am visiting a church, or here I am exploring things of faith. I've never been to a church, and here I am coming, and all they're talking about is money. And you come with a skepticism, and I understand that, believe me. And some churches have, in fact, earned that reputation. Some of you are here this morning, and there is no greater pressure in your life and maybe you just forgot that we were going to talk about money or you didn't know or else you might have stayed home and just had a coffee but here we are and here you are and I'm glad you're here but some of the greatest stress and pressure in your life that you've ever known has been around your financial situation some of you are here and quite frankly you said I'm glad we're talking about this today because I'm doing pretty well. Quite frankly, if I want to show, if you could, I could show you my bank balance. I, I mean, I don't want to brag, but I am killing it right now. I mean, it's been good. I mean, I mean, we've had a good year. It's going okay for us. No matter where you are in that on that spectrum, I believe God has something for you. God wants to share you with you His wisdom from His Word, from the Book of Proverbs this morning. And if you're here this morning, and again, I want to circle back to this. If you're here this morning and you think that all churches do is want your money, then I want to be absolutely clear and I want to tell you that I am not after your cash. I am not after your money. But I want to be equally clear with you. I am after something. I am after your heart. I am after your heart. Because Jesus is not after your cash but Jesus is after your heart. And if there's nothing that I want more for you today than for you to take a step closer to understanding what it is to have your heart gripped by the gospel of Jesus Christ, who he is and what he has done for you. And I think examining our financial situation will help us do that. I don't know if you know this, but in Proverbs, money is never ever spoken of in a negative way. You may have heard it said that, um, that money is the root of all evil. That's a pretty popular phrase. That's actually inaccurate to what the Bible actually teaches. It says that the, that, money, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That, but money being evil and the love of money being evil are very, very different things, as I hope we'll be able to tease out in these next few moments. Proverbs understands money primarily not as good or bad but as a neutral thing that money is supposed to be seen as a tool it's not a good tool it's not a bad tool it's a tool you like to think of a hammer a hammer can be used for good things like hammering a nail it can be used for bad things like hammering your brother it's a tool so it is with money it can be used for good it can be used for evil 
Proverbs is, not, is mostly concerned not with money itself, not with the tool itself. What Proverbs is concerned about and what God is therefore concerned about is not money or amounts of money, but your relationship and interaction with the money that you have. That's what Proverbs, Proverbs is about your heart and your interaction with the resources that you have, with the money that have been entrusted into your care. The primary point of Proverbs concerning money is this. You will either use money in a wise, God-honoring way, or you will use money in a foolish, godless way. Proverbs is not concerned. We have a tendency to think about money as the amount that's in our bank account or the amount that's in our paycheck, or the amount that's in our savings account, or the amount that's in our investments, the return on our investments. That's not how the Bible looks at at money. It's not about the amount. Because there are rich people who honor God, and there are poor people who honor God. There are rich people who live godless with their resources, and there are poor people who live godless with their resources. Proverbs is not concerned with the amount of money. So no matter how much money you come into this room with, that's not the point. The point is, where is your heart in relationship to the amount of money and the resources and material things that you actually have? That's the point. That's biblical wisdom. Where is your heart? So how can we approach our money wisely? First is this. We need to understand that money is a gift from God. That money that you have is ultimately a gift from God. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22 says it this way. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth without painful toil for it. Now we could have a tendency to think that this, what this verse is actually saying is that the Lord, if the Lord is blessing you, then you will be rich. But that's not what he's actually saying. It's not saying that if the Lord's blessing is upon you, you will automatically be rich. No, what he's saying here is that God has given you your wealth, that all of the wealth that you have that you enjoy, you have because God has chosen to bless you. Every single thing that you own is actually from God. Your home, your apartment, your phone, your motorcycle, your baseball glove, your pillow, your favorite blankie that's on your couch when you're watching the TV that you own, that you enjoy. All of these things, your video games, are all a blessing from Almighty God to you. You, God has chosen to give these things to you because he is a good God and loves to give good gifts. Every single one of us, every single day, should wake up and go to our social media outlets and go hashtag blessed. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, that's our outlook ought to be that because God has chosen to give you stuff. It is all from him. Everything that you have has come from him. It's not because you are good. It's not because you are worthy. It's not because you've worked hard. It's not because you've endeavored. All of those things are fantastic, and I love you, and I think you're special people, but that's not why you have what you have. It's because God in heaven chose to extend his gracious hand to you and give you stuff for you to enjoy. God has given it to you because all of this belongs to him, and he's loaning it out to us. This is what God has done. 
God has made all things. He owns all things. And he has chosen because he just wanted to, to not keep it all for himself, but to give it to us. And we get some of it. We get the privilege of having some stuff because God has given it to us. Because God made you. Because he made all things. And because he loves you. And so he's given you things to have because he wants to guide you on how you can use the stuff he's given you in order that you can be the best person that he made you out to be so that you can live wisely with the money that he's given you. The way we ought to think about ourselves according to Proverbs is not as owners, but as, inv as investors. Because you don't own your stuff but God's given you stuff. You don't own your money, but God's given you money and he's given it to you to invest. That's what, that's what he's given you. He's like, I want you to have some stuff so that you can invest that stuff for me. Our job is to be able to show other people Christ. So the question is, what type of opinion do other people get of Jesus by the way in which you invest that stuff, that money, that material things? Do you, do you understand? You're just investing the stuff that God has given to you. It's not yours. You didn't own it. You don't own it. You didn't buy it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't earn it. No, it's all a gift from God. And he says, now go and put it to work for the good of the kingdom, for the good of Jesus, for the good of the gospel. We're actually investment brokers for God. We're simply investing God's resources for the glory of his name. And it may, it may mean that in this moment, it may be wise for some of us just in the quietness of our own hearts to be able to pause and right now ask God for his forgiveness. Because quite frankly, if you were to be honest, we've actually been thinking that all of the stuff that we enjoy is actually our stuff. And we've been actually taking the stuff that's actually God's good gift to us, thinking that it was actually ours, that we actually own it. And that's why it's really hard for us. That's this grip of our stuff and of our money and of our bank accounts and of our resources has a grip on our hearts. And we need to pause even now and go to him and say, I'm sorry that I've taken your good gifts as if they were actually mine. The first thing, if we are going to live wise and, and, and live wisely in this world, the first thing we need to understand and allow to grip our hearts is the fact that our stuff is not our stuff. It's all his. It all came from him. Second is this, that then, therefore, we need to honor God with your money. You need to honor God with your money. Proverbs 3 Let's begin in verse 5, if you have your Bibles open in front of you. It says this, or we can, you can look at it from the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. There he says, honor the Lord with your wealth, 
with the fir first fruits of your crops, and then your barns will be filled to overflowing. This is not saying that if you honor the Lord with your wealth, God promises you to be promises to make you rich. See, because we have to understand the way in which Proverbs is, is, is wisdom literature. The way that we understand Proverbs is not as promises, but these are rather principles for living. So what he's saying is, if we seek to, if the highest honor in our life is to honor God with the way in which we use our money, then most of the time, then most of the time, you will enjoy wealth, that you will enjoy prosperity. Now, in order to do this, we need to understand the idea of honor. Now, what honor actually means, the word honor actually means is weight. It's a weightiness. It's a heaviness. So what weighs on you? What is the heaviest thing? And the question is, is God and his honor the heaviest thing in regards to your finances? Is God and his name and his honor the weightiest thing in your heart, the heaviest thing on your heart? He says, honor me, don't honor wealth. Center your life on me. Center your life on God. Let God be the heaviest thing on your heart. So maybe a clarifying question for us would be when we go to make a purchase, when we receive resources, when we get paid, Jesus, what do you want? What do you want me to do with these resources that you now have entrusted? These came from you. I want to honor you. What do you want me to do with this money that I've come into, with this gift that I have been given from you. How do you want me to use this? So imagine, imagine that someone came to you. Imagine you got a, a card in the mail from someone who likes you. And in the card, there was $300. Yeah, it's not 3,000, but it's not three. If, if, you, if, you, if someone gave you $300 right now, what would you do with it? That dress, that new rod and reel, kind of maybe make an investment towards that bill I need to pay. What, what would be the, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Because oftentimes that's the most weighty thing in our hearts with regards to finances. What can I buy? What can I get? Or is it Jesus? Huh, you just gave me $300. What do you want me to do with it? How do you want me to invest this for you? Because I want in my finances, you to be the most weighty thing, you to be the primary thing. You know, so I, to, at the risk of being horribly reductionistic, I think we can actually divide the world into two categories of people. How's that? We'll divide the world into two categories. Some of you in this room and in the world are, 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 are savers. That's your, we all have a default spending pattern, and so your default pattern is saver. You're a saver. And some of you are spenders. You're just, your default pattern is just to spend money. And, and not, one's not right or wrong. Uh, it's just we have a default pattern. I think, you know, so... 
some of you here, so when I do premarital counseling, I will often have the couple in front of me and I say, I am prepared to believe that you are the most thrifty couple that has ever walked the face of the planet. I'm prepared to believe that right now. However, one of you thinks the other person spends money like crazy. The money just leaks out of your bank account like a sieve, you know. And the other person thinks that the other person will never buy anything. You might be on your deathbed and they would never open up the coffers in order to save your life. Because one of us has a tendency to be, because there are default settings with regards to, to, to how we use money and how we use these things. But here's the thing. We have a tendency to think that our default setting is the correct one and the most God-honoring one. Some of you who are savers here think that you are honoring God because you are killing it with your finances. You look at your bank account, you look at your savings account, you look at your investments and the return on those investments and it is healthy and it is strong and you have no debt and you have savings and you went through Financial Peace University and you got an A++ and you have a budget that is so detailed and so pristine that Dave Ramsey himself would give you a gold star, right? This is the journey that you are on. You are a Ramseyite for life. You got the t-shirt to prove it. And, 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 and to be honest, it's like God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, and Dave Ramsey. Pretty close. For those of you who don't know, he's a finance guy. And I'm not knocking Dave Ramsey. I'm a little, which is fun. I, I'm not saying... I'm, what I'm saying is simply this, that because you have money in your bank account and because you have a pristine budget and you don't have debt does not, according to Hoyle, or automatically mean that you are honoring God with your resources. It doesn't. If the weightiness on your, on your heart is about your cash, if your security and your identity and your self-worth is wrapped up in the pristine budget and wrapped up in the amount of money that you have saved in your bank account or the return on your investment, then money is the weightiest thing in your heart, not God. And Proverbs eleven twenty eight says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Just because you are a saver does not mean that God is the most weighty thing in your heart. It can mean that. And you could be saving as a result of that. But we need to examine our hearts. That just because that's your default setting by nature does not mean that it's God honoring and God glorifying. Now, some of you are here in this room and you go, whoo-hoo, preach! Amen, pastor. It's about time you start getting after some folks. I'm not like that. I don't care about that stuff. I don't care about money. Quite frankly, I don't even have a budget. I am so free. Well, may the freedom of the spirit be on you. But I got a couple of thoughts for you. I wonder if, if that's you, you, you may not be using the wisdom of God in stewarding the resources that he's entrusted into your care. Because the question for you is this. How can you honor God with the money that he has given to you if you have no idea where the money went? You know, God, I'm honoring you. Actually, where, how did, where did that money go? Taco Bell, I guess, I don't know. But if, if we don't have these things, how can we give an account to God for what he's entrusted to us? 
I wonder if you're here this morning and you aren't clear with regards to where the resources and the money that God has given to you, where it's all going. You know what obedience can look like for you? Get a budget. Really? Yeah. Go home. Say, God, I repent that you've entrusted all of these resources to me and I have no idea where they went. And today, as an act of obedience to you, I am gonna set a budget. And you sit down with your spouse and you put it in place. And that's progress in the Christian faith. That's progress in the Christian life and honoring him. And if that seems overwhelming and challenging to you, let me just offer this to you. We have people here for whom this is an area of expertise who would love to be able to serve you and help you figure out how you might be able to walk in obedience so that you might be able to honor God in this area of your life. Two principles that help us walk towards wisdom in the life that God has given us. One is recognizing that all we have is a good gift from God. And two, and two is recognizing that for us, we need to honor God. God needs to be the most weighty thing in our heart. Let me just give you three um, application points and then we'll be done. Three ways that we can, if you like, put this into practice. First is this. One of the ways that we can live a life of wisdom before God with our money is this, enjoy it. Enjoy it. God is a good God who has given you great gifts because he loves you so that you can enjoy it because there are wonderful things that he has given you to enjoy. Have you ever had pizza? It's fantastic. It's amazing. I mean, there are so, have you ever had Starbucks coffee? Please tell me yes. Oh, there are so many things that God has given us to enjoy. Because why? Because he's a good God. He made you, he knows you, and he has given you good gifts. Why? So that you can enjoy it. I, I have to be honest with you. I, I, I was reminded of this. It was either this past week or the week before. I can't remember because I tried to put it out of my mind. I'm a bad gift receiver. I'm, I'm bad at it. Because, you know, it's stuff. Uh, but my wife, her love language is, is, is gifts. Hmm. Yeah, that, that. So the other day, I'm at home, I'm hanging out with the kids or whatever, and my wife comes home. She had been out and about doing whatever, and she comes home with Starbucks coffee, amazing, and a, and a, a traveler mug for me, for no reason, just because she's awesome. And, and, and so my response, of course, to that is, oh, that's about it. That's about it. But it was cool. I mean, it's, it's nice and orange traveler. I, I like it. It's fall. It's, you know, it's nice. Well, the next morning, I make some coffee, right? And then I f got my traveler. It's, it's nice. I fill it up. She's like, hey, you're using the mug. I said, yeah. She goes, oh, you like it? I said, yeah, it's really nice. She's like, you're horrible to give gifts to. I said, what? She's like, you didn't even act like you like it. You hardly even said thanks. I might have not said thanks. I can't remember. <laughs> Here's the point. Don't be like me. God has given you wonderful, wonderful gifts for you to enjoy because he's a good God who made all things and he made you so that you could enjoy the creation that he made. And so what's our response to the good gifts? It's not, hey, 
because that's me. That's my natural default. I need to regularly be coming before God, saying, God, thank you for the breath that is in my lungs so that I can be here this morning. Thank you for the coffee that I was able to enjoy. Thank you for the $2.65 so that I could go buy it. Thank you for the home that I was able to enjoy and the car that somehow got me here that I hope will give me home. Right? Thank you for these things. It's okay to have nice things. It's okay to have nice boats. It's okay to have nice vacations. It's okay to go out to nice dinners, provided that we recognize from whom all these things come, who is our good God in heaven, who has given them to his children because he knows you and he loves you and he is for you. So the first thing that we can do is enjoy it. The second thing we need to do is to give it is to give money. He says in the passage that's before us, he says that we are to, in verse 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. In the Old Testament, it was customary for the people, the Jewish people, that when they would receive their crops, the first tenth of it would automatically go as an offering to the Lord. The first tenth of it would automatically go to the use for the ministry of God. For us, you know, it goes, it automatically goes to the government and it automatically ought to go to God. The first fruits of the money, the resources that God gives to us. And you say, well, why, would his, why is it that God would make us give money back to him, the money he, that gives us to give back to him? I mean, that seems weird. I, I get it. It does seem a little weird. Except here's the thing. God doesn't, you know this. God's the one who gives all things. He owns all things. All, the money is actually his anyway. But it's not, it's not because God is in need. It's not because God is somehow greedy. No, it's because you need it. God calls you to be generous because you need it. Because what we will have a tendency to do is to recognize and say, oh, God has given me all these good things for me to enjoy and we will keep enjoying and we will keep enjoying and we will keep enjoying. But God says, I've given you all these things to enjoy, but it's not just for you. I need you to be one who is generous because you know why? Because there are people who need to know about the generosity of God and the only way they're gonna know is through the people of God who have experienced and enjoyed the generosity of Almighty God. And so therefore my people need to be generous. It's not because there's great need in the world, although there is. It's not because you saw a wonderful video that tugs on your heart. It's not because there are orphans in Haiti, although there are. It's because you need to give money, otherwise you will be sucked into greed. And God says, that's not the wisdom for your life. I can't allow you, my child, to just be sucked into that. I've given you good gifts, and my name is at stake, so go be generous with others. That's why I've given it to you. So that you can show, you can enjoy, and you can bring that joy to others and you can return that in gratitude towards me for the goodness that I have given to you. The reason that we are called to a generous lifestyle is primarily and ultimately because God wants us to live wisely and you cannot live wisely if you don't give generously. You can't be the person that God created you to be. He knows you. He loves you and says, let me guide you into how to use these resources. Give, because it's good for you, because that's how I've made you, because you are made in my image, and I have given you all these things. 
that you might enjoy. Enjoy it. Give it. Thirdly, save it to give it. Save it to give it. Some of you thought I was just going to say save it. For what? I mean, mean, seriously. So that you can go to Florida for half the year and just sit on a beach and fossilize? (laughs) Is that the goal? I want to retire at 55 so that I can have all this money to do what? To do what? Because I don't think... As long as you have breath in your lungs, God has called you to live on mission for him. And so what are you actually going to be about? Proverbs chapter 13, verse 22 says this. A good person leaves an inheritance to their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. I find this to be a really interesting verse because a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's Children, you may have a retirement plan for yourself. You may even have a retirement plan for your children. But do you have a retirement plan for your children's children? Have you started to think through? Friends, this is legacy. This is legacy. What is the legacy that you will be leaving for generations that will follow you? And the scriptures say, that we need to save, we need to be wise, but the reason that we're saving is not just so that we can have a comfortable lifestyle and we can hang out with Mickey in Florida. It is so that we can be a blessing to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation, that we will be those who are saving in order that we might be able to give. It means that we are being planful so that we can give. And so some of you need to be thinking about your estate planning. Some of you need to meet with your financial advisors and say, we need to rethink this. We need to rethink what we talked about. I know we talked about this six months ago. I know we talked, but you know what happened? God began to do a work on me. And the financial advisor says, to, well, what are you doing? No, 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 that's not wise. I know, but it is in God's eyes. And that's the wisdom that I'm after. Because some of you need to dip into your nest egg right now. Because now is the time where you're living a legacy because you have grandchildren and you have children that you need to be able to take some of those resources and use them right now while you are still here in order that they might be able to be, be able to hear the, the, feel the love of Jesus Christ, to know the love of Jesus Christ in a warm environment from their family members. I don't know where you are with regards to your financial situation. We are all along the spectrum. But hear this that God wants you to be wise with your money, with what he has given you, so that you might be able to have life. Maybe it is that you need to go home and work out a budget. Maybe it is that you need to open up your stingy hand because you've been holding on to to your money. Maybe it is that you need to start asking the question, what does Jesus want from me? Maybe it is that you just need to get a job and start getting some money so that you can honor him. You need to get off the couch, put away the video game, go get a job. Maybe you just need to realize that what you have isn't yours. It's all a gift from God. I don't know. Well, how is God speaking to you this morning? And let me just call you into obedience on how he's been prompting you. But here is the thing. 
you won't do that. <laughs> you might do it now because you feel guilty. That's not my goal. You, you might do it because you say, well, okay, um, well, pastor said he did this, and I, I don't know. My wife's on me, so I guess I'll do a budget. Whatever. Friends, unless we understand, you know what I said to you at the beginning? I'm not after your cash, and I'm not, but I am after your heart. Friends, it's only as we are able to see that Jesus Christ himself was with God from all of eternity past. He had wealth. He had the resources of heaven. And he chose to, he who was rich chose to leave the resources of heaven and came to earth, took on the form of human flesh, became the lowest form of human flesh, which is a servant, and died. He who was rich became poor so that you and I in our poverty, you and I in our sin, you and I in our brokenness, and you and I might be able to know the riches that only come from heaven. And until that grips your heart, you won't be able to do these things well. You won't be able to experience the blessings of God. You might experience a budget. You might experience some good things. But until he comes and grips your heart, you won't know the joy of generosity. You won't know the joy of faith. You won't know the joy of honoring God and living wisely. Can I entrust it to you? Because God made you. Because God loves you because God is for you because God wants to guide you because God wants you to experience life and life to the full let's pray father we thank you for your son Jesus we thank you that in him is all strength and all power to do what it is that you've called us to be able to do and that includes our money and father our money is just money it's just a tool it's just stuff will you help us to use it wisely for you that we might honor you in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.